Puck University's Amazon item of the week is Hockey Haven. Chip Malafronte and Jim Shelton of the New Haven Register wrote a book together about the programs at Yale and Quinnipiac and how the two Connecticut neighbors put together national championship contender programs in recent years. The book focuses on the 2012-2013 season and gets into how the two schools that only have the Merritt Parkway in common managed to become such fierce rivals. Hockey Haven, how Yale and Quinnipiac made it to the top of the college game. Follow the link on our Blog Talk radio page, straight to the Kindle version. And now, it's time for another session of Puck University. episode of Puck University. It is the 9th of November right now. We are well into the season. We're over a month in and even the Ivy League teams are starting to get into the full brunt of their schedule. So it's getting interesting early on and I'm joined once again by Chris Lynch of InsideHockey.com. He covers college hockey there. Chris, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm nursing the back end of a cold and uh, thankful that there wasn't a ton this week so I can uh, be healthy for the weekend. Yeah, it's it's been a quiet week, but of course last weekend was not so quiet. And I think the best place to start when getting into what happened last week in the college hockey world has to be St. Cloud, Minnesota. They hosted Minnesota Duluth for two games at home. Both of those teams were top 10 teams coming in. St. Cloud State swept that series, winning 5-3 to three on Friday night and then 5 to nothing on Saturday night. As a result, they are the unanimous first place in both the USCHO and USA Today polls. Chris, St. Cloud State is off to an undefeated start. They are flying high right now. I mean, my first uh, my first word, St. Cloud, I'm very sorry we did not mention you guys at all last week when all the talk was about how great Denver was, but with them losing this past week and St. Cloud looking like gangbusters. I mean, the first game against Duluth was a shootout, and also I honestly thought Duluth was a little overhyped coming off of their trip to the national championship game last year and being barely edged because they lost so many pieces. That team was built to win last year, and I don't think they brought back enough pieces. So Duluth fell in the polls a bit there, 4-4-2 now. But St. Cloud, that second game, winning 5 to nothing, and I don't care how good or bad the Duluth team is, going into the Amasol Arena in Duluth and winning a game is a hard task. To win 5 to nothing is just outstanding. So good on St. Cloud for they look amazing at uh 7 and 0 so far and we we barely mentioned uh their leading man Jimmy Schultz who was I think he was last month's college player of the month. That's correct. Five goals, seven assists. He's not leading the nation in either of those categories. Uh Borkstrom down in Denver has the most goals with nine and Jake Evans of Notre Dame fame 
has 14 assists on the season. But Schultz is leading a strong enough uh, St. Cloud offensive attack that, I mean, it's early. It is in the way too early department, but I'll throw him. We got to throw him in consideration for Hobie considerations, right? Certainly, I'd say at this very early point, he would have to be the front runner because as well as St. Cloud State's been playing and as well as he's been playing, it's hard to argue for anyone else. Now, there's certainly a long, long way to go, as you mentioned, and these early season results can often be more flash than substance, but we don't have the benefit of looking into the future so much right now. We can only really take the results we've had and... With those, St. Cloud State is the best team in the country right now, bar none. Now they don't throw, you know, they don't throw parties for teams that are great in November. They throw them for teams that are great in March. So there's a long way to go, but in a loaded NCHC, St. Cloud State has really stood out. Especially with Denver having an 0 and 2 week against Western Michigan. And I'll admit, uh, I covered Western Michigan last year in the regionals, and I thought this was a good team, but I thought they had a way to go. I, I'm i not going to overlook Andy Murray's work in uh, Kalamazoo because they won 6-5 to five in a shootout and then 7-4. to four. They put up six goals and seven goals on what was last year at least one of the best uh, defensive teams. What this tells me is that... Uh, Denver has a ways to go. And in that seven-goal game yes, uh, on Saturday for Western Michigan, two goals for uh, the Broncos came in the second period. The following five goals came in the third period on Denver. Wade Allison with a hat trick. Tanner Gillette looked bad. I mean, he gave up six goals in that game, and the seventh was an empty netter. So... Denver is showing some flaws, and Western Michigan uh, decided basically to pile up as many shots as they could get. 15 shots in the first, 8 in the second, 12 in the third. So Denver is showing some signs of weaknesses. St. Cloud, there's no such weaknesses right now. They can outshoot you, or they could just wait until you don't have much of uh, much else and have to get desperate. But their defense and goaltending is doing the job. They shut out Duluth on the road, and that's no small feat. Good job uh, to uh, to the people whose logo I always confuse with this Montreal Canadiens. I don't know why, I just always do. Yeah, and, and it doesn't help that they're the Huskies, which is almost the default name for a college hockey team, and that comes from a Northeastern grad, so if you know it's saying something. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll touch on Denver really quick. It really seems like this is the first time this year that it seems like they're missing Will Butcher. Of course, the Hobie Baker winner last year, a defenseman, a really, really good player and helped send Denver to another level, especially when it got to tournament time. And this week, they or last week, they allowed a ton of shots, as you pointed out, against Western Michigan. Now, Tanner Gillette didn't do a great job allowing 13 goals in the weekend, but it does show that maybe they're missing their leader from last season a little bit, as teams will do. That's in all college sports. One of the big issues from year to year is how do you deal with talent that is just going to leave? And Denver's now got to face what they're going to do about their defensemen without having the best player in the country back there for them. I mean, good on them for uh, winning last year while they, while they had the man, but uh 
they still have a potent offense, but Montgomery said in his press conferences after the Boston weekend that uh, there's a lot further to go for them on the checking front and on the defensive front. But scoring-wise, they can keep pace with anyone. But they dominated last year because of their fourth check. And it's actually, there's a lot of young defensemen. The concern isn't with Gambrell or Terry or Borgstrom. Those guys will lead this team into uh, into the NCHC tournament. They This team has to develop their young defensive core. And uh, as of right now, there's a there's a lot of room for Plant isn't quite there yet. Blake Hillman isn't quite there yet. And also, uh, worth noting, they don't have Tariq Hammond back yet after he broke his ankle in the national championship game. They just don't have uh, have their man back yet. One thing they can take away is that losing a few games early in the season, showing a few flaws early in the season, isn't always the worst thing that can happen to you. Of course, every game matters. The season isn't too long where games can be written off as unimportant. But now Denver is going to be able to have a chance to adjust and to try and bring their young defensemen up a little quicker and try and maybe minimize the things they're doing poorly. They're going to have a lot of data to work from. And that's that that's beneficial to a team like that early on, especially when you've got St. Cloud State flying so high. There will be some kind of an issue with that team as there will be with every team in the country. And the later that a team spots it, the harder it can be to to adjust to it. So in that sense, I think Denver at least has that going for them, that they know where their strengths are and their weaknesses are, and they have plenty of time to adjust moving forward. Agreed. I mean, and it must be noted, it's not like they lost to some schlub team. Western Michigan is the 18th ranked team in the nation. They've got one of the top rankings, rightly so. And this must highlight how stacked the NCHC is. Three, the top three teams in the nation are St. Cloud, North Dakota, and Denver. And uh, Western Michigan is also a little bit further down there at 18th. So they've got four of the top 20 teams in the, in the nation and the top three teams in the country. It's, it's incredible what they've created for themselves in the NCHC. And like we said last week, look out for Colorado College. The resurgent Tigers are just in the also receiving votes category just behind Michigan. So they're knocking on the door as well, getting ranked. And after a few down years for them, that must be really refreshing. Well, they split the weekend series with Miami, who was really in down times after their uh, breakthroughs to the Frozen Four in 09 and 10. Uh, they lost in overtime. Colorado College lost in overtime the first game to Miami 3-2 to and then beat them 2-1. to So it's a good team in Colorado. Uh, Leclerc, their goaltender, is going to have to do a lot of the work. But uh, it's nice to see that some other schools are trying to break through. But God bless them with uh, trying to succeed in the NCHC. It's, uh, it's tough to succeed there. And the Big Ten, as we mentioned last week, also doing some pretty good things with Minnesota at four, Hart, uh, Notre Dame at six, and Wisconsin at seven. They've got three of the other top ten teams in the nation in their conference. Yeah, we can talk about Notre Dame for a little bit. They went to Ohio State for two games in Columbus over the weekend. They won on Friday night four to one, and then they won a closer game on Saturday night three to two. 
So it looks like the Fighting Irish are going to be up there with Minnesota, at least in the early going, as the front runners in the Big Ten. They've really done a good job adjusting to the new conference. And after a weekend like that, to rise from 10 to 6 makes plenty of sense because Ohio State is a good team. And sweeping them in Ohio State is no small accomplishment. Well, the Big Ten last year, I thought that Notre Dame would succeed upon entering the Big Ten because they have one thing that a lot of other Big Ten schools don't really have, and that's an established high-caliber goaltender in Cal Peterson, who Peterson has been doing his job in way that uh, everyone expected he would. So I say good on Notre Dame for being highly competitive, especially without Anders Bjork returning to South Bend. I mean, Jake Evans has been great for them. He's the leading assist man in the nation, and uh, I think you got to give Notre Dame a lot of credit. The top line last year of Bjork, Gross, and Evans was pretty dangerous, With and even without Bjork there, it's still a really good team. They will... I, they were my favorite going into the Big Ten year this year. I think they'll contend with Minnesota all year. And Minnesota, of course, they swept Michigan State at home. And like I said before, poor Sparty. Three to one on Friday night, four to nothing on Saturday night. Both of those games taking place in Minnesota. Now, that's that's Michigan State, who we expect to be at the bottom of the Big Ten all year. But at the same time, it's one of only 60 college hockey programs. So Minnesota is looking really good right now in the early going. Oh, yeah. Give the Gophers a lot of credit. They uh, Their season ended last year in the regional to Notre Dame, and they their offense just closed up shop after they got their second goal in the, in the second period. So uh, they bounce, they've bounced back nicely. And it's nice to see that they actually have an offense uh, at least one that's actually worth talking about so far this season. And they had some pieces from earlier runs to the Frozen Four. They went to the national championship game in 2014, and a lot of those remnant pieces graduated. But it's nice to see Tyler Shee and uh, Tyler Nan and Brett and uh, Bryce died. I am I am sorry for butchering your name, but it's nice to see those guys getting some real time. And Eric Shearhorn, who looked shaky for times last season has been really good so far this year. So, good on them. Well done, Minnesota, for uh, earning your rankings. Seven and three, definitely deserve the rankings ahead of some other teams, the Eastern most, ones. Most wins in the country. So, right now, they've they've played a loaded schedule early on, but they've handled it pretty well. And staying with the Big Ten for another couple moments, we mentioned North Dakota earlier. They played Wisconsin at the Kohl Center. And they were the the Fighting Hawks beat the go or beat the Badgers on Friday night three to two, and the two teams skated to a tie on Saturday night. Wisconsin is a pretty tough team this year, and ha- having have, getting a point out of North Dakota, who's playing extremely well at the moment, that's that's something to hang your hat on early on, even though it's non-conference play. That was a big game for them to get that tie on Saturday night. I mean, the non-conference games for me are often the ones that define how you play. I guess technically the conference games are more important because that's a much easier way of determining the postseason seedings. But really, you're not you're 
infrequently going to be facing college opponents, uh, in-conference opponents when you get deep into uh, when you get to the NCAA tournament. So you've got to know how you'd fare against other teams throughout the nation, especially teams with other playing styles. Wisconsin is a big team. North Dakota is more of a skilled team, at least from what I've gotten to watch. So uh, well done, guys, for uh, for entertaining and Wisconsin. Good job. You uh, managed to draw even with one of the most prolific recent programs in the nation. So good job, Badgers. I expect them to entertain us even more as the year goes on. Same thing for North Dakota, too. Speaking of entertainment, there are a few teams that seem to be built specifically to entertain crowds more than the Penn State Nittany Lions, who had a very interesting weekend in Hockey Valley, as they call it for this part of the college sports schedule. They hosted Mercyhurst, and they split with Mercyhurst, which is disappointing to Penn State. In those two games, you have a combined 23 goals. 7-4 to four Mercyhurst on Friday night, 7-5 to five Penn State on Saturday night. Is it the same old Penn State team that we saw last year? Are they going to score a lot of goals and give up a lot of goals in tandem? I think so. Uh, that's what that's the story that they've told us so far this year. That's the story that look, they're sticking to the script. They've got a ton of offensive talent. They scored ten goals on Union in the NCAA tournament last year, and they it looks like they're gonna be a offensively imposing team, and that'll get people in the stands, and really that might be for building a program almost more important than uh almost as important at least as going deep and at least making the tournament but they're not going to win a win a lot of championships in the early going of their main competitive program they don't have a defense to speak of so that'll come back to haunt them against good defensive teams but it's a fun team Shame that they lost to uh, an Atlantic school, but uh, good on Mercyhurst for exposing the flaws of an offense-only unit. Yeah, and it is an offense-only unit. The thing I would send out to the college hockey fans listening to this is if you have the opportunity to watch Penn State on television, watch them on television, especially if you have no rooting interest, good or bad, for the Nittany Lions, because that's a team that it's just going to be eye candy because there's no defense. We love defense. It's an important part of hockey. It's half the game after all. But let's face it, a game with no defense is inherently fun to watch. So you have to at least give a quick glance to Penn State because they're going to be fun throughout the season. Well, I mean, for those of us who are Bruins fans and grew up on, uh, at least, well, came of age watching Tim Thomas dominate or watching Chara and, uh, and Bergeron being top defensive players or – if you're a Devils fan or something and you actually understand how defense works, then great. You uh, you might be a little bit annoyed watching how Penn State plays. For the rest of us who act, well, I'm one of those Bruins fans, but I can at least appreciate when there's a lot of skill offensively. And it's 1980s hockey galore over in uh, in Happy Valley with less than no defense to speak of. So should be fun. They should get killed in the early stages of the Big Ten tournament because there's no defense, but still, should be fun. Of course, the NCHC is still the dominant conference right now if you look at just where the top teams are. But you mentioned 
the Big Ten has a lot of love in these polls early on. The question most years is who's the power conference between NCHC and occasionally Hockey East, but now it looks like the Big Ten might already in just a few years be honing in on that territory and stake their own claim as a proud conference. Might already. Dude, they they have some of the premier institutions in the history of the sport. I mean, Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Michigan, you've already got three historic powerhouses. Minnesota as well. Minnesota, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and Ohio State are all ranked opponents, and Penn State is uh, a new challenger into the unit. So they were already, I mean, the Big Ten picked as good hockey schools as you could possibly get. So maybe a power conference? Dude, the Big Ten is a power conference in college hockey. They're not quite the NCHC, but realistically, they're they're at least as big uh, in terms of competition and maybe in terms of overall college sport recognition because more people recognize Notre Dame, Wisconsin, uh, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, then would recognize St. Cloud State, North Dakota, Denver. I mean, the NCHC is hockey-only schools, at least for their top sports. The Big Ten draws a bigger crowd, for better or for worse. I mean, that's what it is. They draw a much bigger crowd, and they are very good at this hockey thing already. Shifting quickly to the polls and the weekly segment. So what are the polls for again? This week, I have a few teams to question where they are in the rankings, good and bad. We mentioned Minnesota Duluth. They played good teams. So the fact that they're 500 and ranked 12th in the in the USCHO poll, that doesn't bother me. They've played some really good teams, and they played them pretty tough. So their record says one thing, but their play on ice says another. you have any problem with Minnesota Duluth at 12th? Uh, I would put them a little bit lower, if anything, but... Duluth is fine. Duluth is far from the biggest uh, issue to take with this. Well, the next place I would go is Penn State is still ranked. They're number 19. They're 5-5-0. Five and five and oh. this, is, this is a team that made a lot of waves last year. They have a lot of fans. They were a good story as they, they stormed to the NCAA tournament and made, made a little bit of a splash there before they were eliminated. But they're five and five. Should they be ranked? No, not a chance. Colorado College is a better team, and they're in the others receiving votes category. Northern Michigan is a better team than they are. Heck, the way Boston College has been playing lately with on a three-game winning streak, they will overtake them uh, as time goes on. So Penn State should not be in the top 20 at all in the USCHL. And I think you might expect where... The, the next team is that maybe is a little overranked right now based on their record and results, and that'd be Boston University is 15 and has a losing record right now, 4-5-1. and one. Now, we know talent-wise, they stand with anybody in the country. The NHL draft loves BU players, as we've seen every year. We've already talked last week about how great a recruiter David Quinn is. And I expect that before very long, Boston University will show their teeth once again and be one of the best teams in the country throughout the season. 
But at this juncture, you're four or five and one. 15, is that fair, you think? You know, as an alum of this school, I want to... I I want to hop on my uh, scarlet and red, scarlet and white uh, colored. Uh, I want to hop on my uh, my stool and and uh, and stump for them, but I can't. They and we talked about this earlier on. You said they had a great game against Providence. I know Chad Chris had two goals. He had a great game, and Jake Ottinger shut out Providence. He had a great game, but I. They got outshot eleven to one that first period against Providence. They barely held on for dear life, and they got obliterated by Northeastern in that second game, in which they lost total control. They served thirty-seven penalty minutes against Northeastern. I can't. I want them to be in the top rankings. I want them to be better than four, five, and one. David Quinn does too, and I'm sure after a disappointing last weekend that he skated his team through the foundation of the building uh after that weekend but i can't have them ranked 15th i would if anything i would drop them down i would drop penn state out and i would move bu down to 19th if at all and that is a very disappointed bu alum speaking Right, and of course, as we mentioned before, it's still very early on in the season, and four, five, and one is no no mountain to climb for a team as talented as BU. So this is just something we're going to talk about week to week, teams where their records don't necessarily agree with their rankings. And, you know, I'll, I'll shift this a little bit, because if we're talking about this, we should talk about teams that are ranked lower than they should be as well. And I gave the Ivy League teams a little bit of flack last week for starting so late as they do as they have to but cornell's 4-0-0 they come in this weekend they're going to play harvard on saturday but cornell's won every game in front of them they're currently ranked 14th and harvard's ranked fifth and they have a loss so if we're going to rank harvard fifth shouldn't cornell be higher probably especially since cornell beat quinnipiac over the weekend, so they probably should be a little bit, uh, a little bit higher. I mean, they barely edged Princeton, and Princeton is not known as a power, at least in recent years. But going uh, on the, but going out and beating, beating Quinnipiac on the road in Hamden, they probably should be ranked a bit higher. And Harvard has played all three of their home games for the uh, 2017 half of the 2017-18 season. Harvard is not playing another home game the rest of the season and they beat Dartmouth the first game 5-0 they lost 5-2 to Yale and they didn't look that good at least in the third in the third period and they beat up on uh, on Brown so they Harvard is Harvard is a result of preseason hype and expectations as well similar to BU but they've not disappointed anywhere near as much, except with that one Yale loss. And as the son of a Harvard alum, I am also disappointed by that Yale loss. And also as someone who was at Harvard for that game against Yale. So Harvard should be ranked a little bit lower. And Cornell should be not 14th. They beat a national contender in Quinnipiac, and they should be a bit higher than that. Should should Cornell beat Harvard on Saturday, I think the rankings are going to change considerably for both of those teams, and it should, and we'll see when that happens. 
Agreed, and I would say circle it on your calendars and try to watch it if you can. It's uh, it's a staple rivalry in the history of college hockey, so watch it. I will follow it with great interest, and uh, just a shame I can't make it all the way out to Ithaca. And when I say all the way out to Ithaca, I am putting emphasis on that phrase, all the way out to Ithaca for what should be a magnificent game. Well, speaking of travel time, shortly after we're done recording this podcast, you're going to hop in your car and head across the state of Massachusetts, Commonwealth of Massachusetts, rather, to cover the Providence Friars taking on the Mass Amherst Minutemen. Now, Providence is currently eighth in the country. They seem like one of the early co-favorites in Hockey East, as we discussed last week, depending on how you want to shake that conference out. They came in with high expectations, and so far they've been living up to them. UMass Amherst is a different story. That They've been down for a while, and now they're starting to to recruit a lot better. They have a, They have a few names on their team that were a bit surprising to people who follow college hockey because their program's been so down. Is something brewing at the Mullen Center? Uh, hard to tell, honestly. I mean, the last time UMass made the NCAA tournament, they, they have not made the NCAA tournament since 2007 when Jonathan Quick was their goaltender. By the way, yes, that Jonathan Quick, that two-time Stanley Cup champion and... Uh, Con Smythe winner. So yeah, they've had some good players in the past, but uh four five and oh on the season. It's a decent outlook, one game below five hundred. Uh Greg Carvel uh was a promising coach at St. Lawrence, had some pretty good success uh at St. Lawrence. I think he has the potential to build up something, but honestly, it's a wait and see kind of situation for them. Providence should win this one. It's a long road trip, but Providence under Nate Lehman is one of the better teams in Hockey East, and I have to eat some crow. I thought they were overrated, and I was wrong uh, in the preseason predictions. Just have to point out that I was wrong in my predictions there. Amazon Music Unlimited. The way we keep music around has changed drastically in the past 20 years. There used to be CDs that would take up entire shelves in every living room. Then music went digital, and we started paying by the song where we could load up our hard drives. Now you can stream it for just a little fee every month, and that's where Amazon comes in once again. For $9.99 a month, $7.99 if you're a Prime member, you get access to Amazon's entire library of digital music, which includes just about anything you can think of. Get a free 30-day trial by following the link on our Blog Talk radio page. Amazon Music Unlimited. All the songs you want without taking up any shelf space or any hard drive space. Now, while we're on the subject of Hockey East, last week you were at Aganis Arena to watch the the Terriers take on the Northeastern Huskies. You said it was not a particularly close game. It was an ugly game for BU. Take us through it a little bit because... If people didn't watch that game, they've heard quite a bit maybe about the penalties issued and the suspension that came from it for a game. What? How bad was it for BU, and how good did Northeastern look? Or was this just an early season game where things can get out of hand? That is hockey after all. 
Well, Nolan Stevens had a hat trick. It was the first hat trick of his career, and Jim Madigan and Northeastern have not had a lot of success at BU or against this team. I think they snapped an eight-game winless streak and a five-game losing streak against BU, and especially in Aganis Arena since it opened in 2005. Northeastern has, simply put, been awful at uh, at Aganis Arena. So they came in laser-focused, and Stevens led the charge. He pulled a... Uh, uh, he pulled the Mark Messier, scored a hat trick in the game that he uh, lined up his team. That he told them that they would win. They did. They absolutely earned the victory. And BU mentally fell apart. Nick Olson in the third period was given uh, a five-minute major penalty for a blow to the head. He hit Biagio Lorario right square into the boards, head first. Olsen was suspended for Friday night's rematch at Matthews Arena, which, by the way, I will be at, and I am pretty excited to be at that game. And I, they've already sold out the arena for that game. This is, this is another one of those circle the calendar, but BU looked bad. They, they outshot Northeastern for the game 34-32, to 32, but that's only because they won a third period shot-wise that they lost mentally. BU came apart at the seams. Brandon Hickey also got himself a misconduct penalty, and he's the captain of the Terriers. He served a 10-minute misconduct for basically cussing out the ref. Only to top all this off, Jim Madigan uh, you dropped the cheap shot bomb in the press conference following on Patrick Harper, who hit uh, the goaltender Ryan Ruck in the head. Uh, and didn't get a penalty called. And he said uh, he called the hit a cheap shot, and Ruck had to be pulled from net afterwards. So uh, are you keeping pace with all this stuff that I'm telling you about this game? Because there's a lot of stuff that happened in this game. Oh, it, it's it's easy because I went to Northeastern. So this is all stuff that, that I'm happy to hear in a lot of ways. Hope the players are okay. Um, hope it's a teachable moment for the BU players because this is this is a sport. Things get out of hand sometimes. And like I said about Denver, it's early in the season, so it's good to have your weaknesses presented in front of you. But that's a tough one to take. It's on my end as someone who obviously roots for the Huskies. It's a wonderful start. And as as I've said many times on this podcast, they're not good at getting off to good starts under Jim Madigan. So this is very promising. But Friday night's game is going to be a a bloodbath in a lot of ways hopefully not in a real way i hope the teams can settle down off of what was a heated saturday night game but it's going to be loud at matthews arena and i'll tell you this as someone who knows that northeastern program very well it's about 50 50 with people who went to northeastern as to who their prime the team they hate the most is it's either bc or bu and it really depends on what class you're in Right now, I would say the arrow is pointing slightly toward BU because BC is having a down year and because Northeastern has had that long losing streak in Aganis Arena and against BU that just came to an end. Matthews Arena is one of the best assets that program has, one of the best assets in college hockey. We both love that building, and it's going to be nice to see it in its full splendor on Friday night. Oh, God, this is... uh. 
if you have any opportunity to watch this game on Friday, uh, between really two of the better programs going right now, watch that game. It's going to be awesome. The fans are going to get into it. The players are going to get into it. We had a couple moments of uh, near fights in college hockey, which near fights is the closest you're ever going to get in this sport to actual fights. So it was incredible uh, how badly BU got beaten by, by Northeastern. I mean, the score didn't feel that close being 4-1, to one, and BU mentally was beaten pretty soundly by the Huskies. So it'll be... It'll be really interesting to see what uh, what happens on Friday night. Sticking with Hockey East, there are two teams heading in opposite directions and almost a bit of a local rivalry, although Durham and Lowell aren't quite as close as Commonwealth Avenue and Huntington Avenue. The New Hampshire Wildcats host the UMass Lowell Riverhawks on Friday night, and it's not been a great season for Norm Bazin's squad so far. They've been falling on some tough times, whereas as one of the stories of the college hockey season to this point is that surging New Hampshire team that people didn't necessarily expect to be this good, and at least early on, they are this good. So that's going to be a telling game for two different teams at Lake Witt in Durham. I, I will continue to pound my chest and say I thought that New Hampshire would be at least a contender in the conference. I didn't think they would be 6-1-1 one, and one good, which, by the way, teams that should be ranked a little bit higher. New Hampshire, ranked 9. Providence is ahead of them with two more losses. Wisconsin ahead of them. Come on. Give, give Dick Umilly some more love here. I mean, top 10 in the nation is good, but they can do better. Uh, Lowell was built to win last season. Lowell was built to win last year, and they didn't quite do it. So it's really quite a shame that Bazin has, uh, Bazin's unit has fallen on hard times, and Tyler Wall, their goaltender, has struggled mightily uh, in the early part of the season and got benched for a bit. Worth noting, these teams played the opening weekend and it, I was at the first game. It was a masterful contest. Northeastern, it, uh, I'm, I'm mixing teams here. Uh, New Hampshire gave up a lead in the third period. They, they had a power play, and Lowell pulled the goalie for the extra attacker. They tied it with a minute 15 left. New Hampshire untied the game with 16 seconds left. So I think New Hampshire is in for a script-writing season against Lowell again. I think they'll sweep the series. It's a big weekend across college hockey. We've mentioned the, some big hockey East games coming up. And, of course, Notre Dame, who just got done with Ohio State in the Big Ten, they have to take on Penn State now. We mentioned we're both not necessarily too keen on Penn State's long-term outlook as they can't really play defense, but they'll score goals. And when your best players are presumably your goaltender, although it's hard to say with Notre Dame. They've had some great performances so far in front of Cal Peterson, but it, it's going to be a test for their goalie. It's going to be a test for their defense. It's going to be another test for the Penn State defense, and I don't hold out a lot of hope for them, but that should be an entertaining... That should, that should really... That should light up some college hockey fans a little bit. It'll be fun, but I will put it simply as Jake Evans and Jordan Gross 
are going to completely rip the Penn State Nittany Lions non-existent defense to shreds. And I think I think there's actually a potential for Penn State to get blown out by the Irish. So I will uh, allow my little bits of uh, not being a real Penn State fan. I don't dislike them. I just I would like a team to actually play some defense every now and then in Penn State doesn't have the defense that uh, I look for as a hockey fan. But uh, I think Notre Dame could mop the floor with them, to be honest. So. They could. They, this could be a – I actually don't see these being particularly good games either, but they could be. They're the kind of games where if Penn State can control possession for long enough, they their only defense is their offense at this point. So – It'll be interesting. To me, it's the battle of money because there doesn't seem to be anyone in college hockey that's as well-heeled as either Penn State or Notre Dame in the last few years. Mm-hmm. And, and it, should be a, it should be another good game for Notre Dame to get into Big Ten action. It's one of many matchups this week where two ranked teams are playing. We mentioned Northeastern's going to host BU on Friday night. On throughout the weekend, we're going to have some games between Western Michigan and Minnesota Duluth. We'll find out more about whether Western Michigan is as good as they looked last week and whether Minnesota Duluth is really taking a step back in that game. Yeah. Circle one other game on two other games I'll mention. Uh, Saturday night, BU returns home after facing Northeastern. They get to host Dick Umili and the Wildcats. Uh, at Aganis Arena, so circle that game. And the other one that we talked about at some decent length, two Ivy League schools. Harvard goes out to Ithaca, New York, and plays Cornell on Saturday. So circle that game on the uh, on the series. It should be should be a really good good and fun weekend. Yeah, we'll learn a lot about Harvard in that game, and I think it's a good point that that BU and is hosting New Hampshire on Saturday because. There's another game where we'll learn more about that New Hampshire team, and I've got to say it, BU's schedule early on has been brutal. They're in a tough stretch where pretty much every team they've faced in a while is going to be ranked. So this is this is a test for BU as they've undergone a whole bunch of them early on in the year, and it's a test for New Hampshire. That'll be an interesting game, and of course – I don't think there's any question what the matchup of the week is across college hockey. St. Cloud State is in Denver. They're going to take on the number one team in the country, St. Cloud State, travels to the number three team in the country, Denver, and the defending national champions. This really, there are a lot of good games in college hockey this weekend, but this one dwarfs them all. Oh, by leaps and bounds. This is going to be fun. We'll know we'll know after this weekend who the best team in the country is. But Denver's got to sure up that defense. I think that Western Michigan game may have been a blessing in disguise because they'll get to take an honest look at their defense and say, "Yeah, we've got a big time opponent." This could be a preview of the national championship game. It really could be a preview of of a championship game or a Frozen Four game or something. If nothing else, it certainly looks like the winner will be the early favorite in the NCHC, which, as we've established, is a loaded, loaded conference this year, especially at the top. 
Oh, absolutely. So uh, we'll be following this game. Uh, me from the haven of college hockey in Massachusetts, and you from the um, what's the opposite of of a haven? Uh, out. I, I, I mentioned it as a no man's land last week, but there I gotta go. say, Tampa is a hockey town. Having yeah. just been back here for a month. You know, it's a football area. Everyone loves college football in particular. But you talk to people about the Gators, they just get mad. You talk to them about the Seminoles, they just get mad. You talk to them about the Buccaneers, everyone just gets really sad. And with good reason. And I'm one of those people. It's just, it's a depressing thing to talk about. But you look around and everywhere around this Bay Area, I live right by St. Pete, so I'm on the other side of the Bay lightning stuff everywhere if you mention jeffrey vinnick in any part of the greater tampa bay area you will start up a conversation with somebody because everyone loves that guy everyone loves that team and consider this yet another pitch as i've made a few already for usf if there's some billionaire listening to this that has some tie to usf go all terry pigula give them a hockey program you won't regret it USF or, or uh, Florida Gulf Coast or just something. We need to give uh, some more Southern schools a chance to succeed in this sport. Now, getting back to college hockey, Chris Lynch of InsideHockey.com. You're going to be in Amherst tonight. You're going to be on St. Batolph Street tomorrow at good old Matthews Arena. Mm-hmm. And... We've already mentioned tons of games for people to watch, but when you have a chance to check up on other scores, what's the first score outside of that one versus three matchup you'll be checking on? Harvard-Cornell. I want to see what those schools do against each other. I want to see what uh, I want to see what these guys are capable of doing. I want to see if Harvard is for real. I want to see if Cornell is for real. All right, and for my part, I'm going to be checking in. Of course, I'm going to be following the Northeastern BU game on Friday. That is, like I said, it's kind of a rivalry. It Well, it is a rivalry, but it's a rivalry in an interesting position where Northeastern's kind of the third team in a two-team rivalry. It's It's like watching Wake Forest or NC State play one of the tobacco road teams in basketball in a lot of ways. So it's it's a huge matchup for Northeastern. It's a huge test for BU coming off a tough game and I I just can't wait to see it because anytime Northeastern's flying high and they play another one of these Boston teams it's a big deal oh yeah this should be a fun weekend I mean every weekend in college hockey is a good time because these are all great programs but uh this should be fun this should be really fun for all involved All right, well, we're just about to wrap up here on Puck University. I'm your host, Tim Williams, joined by Chris Lynch. Chris, enjoy the games this weekend. And what are you working on at Inside Hockey this week? Uh, Finishing up a story on uh, Ted Donato and working on a – I just got my credentials for uh, going to Red Hot Hockey, which is an event between BU and Cornell at Madison Square Garden. So I will be – Going to that, and I'm working on my credentials to the Catamount Cup, a tournament in Burlington between uh, between St. Lawrence, Harvard, Lowell, and UVM. So I'm working on my credentials to get all those all those together. 
best of luck with that and thank you very much for joining us this week for chris lynch i'm your host tim williams this has been puck university and as always keep your head up and your hits clean